passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Post Wrestling's ROH 17th Anniversary Post Show. I am John Pollock, joined here live at Post Office West by my Ring of Honor companion, Mike Murray. How's it going, John? It's our quarterly hangout. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, yeah. Quite the show tonight uh, to discuss. We have uh, lots to go through as Ring of Honor gets closer to their biggest card in history uh, that's coming up uh, next month. Uh, going into this show, Mike, we're going to dive right into things. Uh, tell me kind of, uh, since we last spoke at Final Battle and going into this show, uh, this is typically you see Ring of Honor kind of peak their programs for their pay-per-views, but they are weeks away from a much bigger show. So did you sense this pay-per-view as kind of just a holdover until Madison Square Garden that is the bigger show of this, oh well, of the year for the company? I mean, the Madison Square Garden show has kind of been looming over them for close to – Close to a year now, mm-hmm. I would say. And, you know, leading up to this pay-per-view, the TV was kind of a lot of stuff going on, a lot of new characters, new people brought in. And the pay-per-view was barely touched in the last two months. Yeah. Like, I have been watching Ring of Honor sporadically uh, since Final Battle. But I did watch, you know, last week's Go Home show going into it. And, yeah, it just felt that this was pay-per-view that it was it's our anniversary show but it just seems the larger focus is madison square garden for sure for sure but it seems that like you know the last uh every tv show from uh final battle on has almost ignored the fact that there's this pay-per-view coming up there's all these contenders lined up there's all these new people being introduced and oh yeah there's a pay-per-view as well what have you thought about the the new talent? Because final battle that was the end of Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, and since then we we saw PCO coming in, Bandito, Roosh. Um, they they have added a lot of interesting a lot of talent. Guys, yeah, yeah. And like, I think I, they've given them a chance to shine on the TV for sure. Mm-hmm. And and they were a big focus of tonight's show. Like if you had just watched final battle and had not followed any TV, tonight was a different product. Given, yes, you're right. Uh, who was featured prominently? There was a lot of. Uh, New folks on the card for sure. Um, I think that tying the stuff better into the TV weekly. I mean, we didn't even have Juice on at all. Juice was not even mentioned. And he's been like a main uh, character with this lifeblood uh, faction going forward. Tennille Dashwood was not on the card. I I would say lifeblood was, you know, other than a run-in. Underrepresented, I would say. They were an afterthought. I don't think, again, if you're just a pay-per-view to pay-per-view watcher, I don't yep. think you'd be really familiar with Lifeblood. No, it, was, it wasn't even talked about that much to tell you the truth. And Bandito was one of the few guys who got a match out of it. Mm-hmm. And no one even kind of came out to second him. You yeah. thought that would have been a good way to tie everyone, even though it's like their honorable thing. You could have another somebody in his corner just to kind of 
yeah. remind the audience what's going on. Yeah, Bandito was like their their one prominent member. Uh, and it was an interesting uh, structure to this pay-per-view that we will get into. So taking place from <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada at Sam's Town Live. Um, was, this did seem like a rather lively crowd throughout. Sometimes we get on the ROH pay-per-views that you'll hear afterwards that the crowd was very lively, but it didn't come through on the pay-per-view. Like it feels like a really kind of muted crowd. Uh, th- this audience, I, w- I would say they were, they seem pretty active throughout the show by and large. For sure. Uh, th- there's been worse ones in the last year for sure. And this one was, uh, into a lot of the guys and a lot of the action for sure. Complete with uh, something I, I've never seen at a show is that was this woman in the front row who had brought like a, a Chucky doll or a bride of Chucky doll and was just holding this thing over the guardrail all like night WCW long. 25 years ago or something like that. It was very strange. Yeah. must've been a, a Rick Steiner, uh, channeling <laughs> of sorts. <laughs> so we had, uh, Ian Riccoboni on the call, and because Colt Cabana is on the current New Japan tour doing the New Japan Cup, that meant that Nick Aldis and Caprice Coleman uh, were sitting in uh, for, for the majority of it. Throughout the last portion, there would be people cycling in for Nick Aldis, but uh, Caprice Coleman there for the whole show. Um, <laughs> what do you think about Caprice Coleman? He seemed he can have some great zingers every now and then, and, and then he can also just, balloons. Yeah, there is a there is a wide mixture on a three plus hour pay per view. You could say what's good for the goose is not always good for the gander. <laughs> that is very true. That was uh, <laughs> we, we went to the well many times on that particular one. So the night kicked off with uh, Kenny King taking on Marty Skrull. The story here that Kenny King had several victories over Marty Skrull. And Skrull won the Survival of the Fittest Tournament. So that means he is getting the ROH title match at Madison Square Garden. So How, how did they decide that he was the one that was going to get it at Madison Square Garden? So we've got like four guys waiting for a title shot. Well, he he was he, he, survived. he survived the fittest. Uh, so that's when everyone gets to stretch ahead of time, and it is the survival of <laughs> the, the fittest. Stretching's important. We learned about stretching techniques on the show. Um, I, I thought this was a decent opener. Um, Squirrel landed a tornado DDT onto the floor. Each were going for covers. Uh, Squirrel slapped King in the face, and then he stomped the hand. He went for the finger snap, but King was able to stop it, as well as uh, countering graduation to hit the royal flush. But both men are down, and Kenny King goes to grab a chair. And referee Paul Turner pries the chair away from Kenny King, and this allows Marty Squirrel behind the referee's back. I thought this would be the most egregious uh, referee distraction spot. Todd Sinclair would put this one to shame later on uh, so Kenny King grabs the umbrella strikes King with the umbrella and pins him at 1253 and the umbrella is pretty much still in the ring yes broken yes well this was uh, quite the rain on the parade to start the show for me because I thought that this was a kind of weak finish for your number one contender going into your big show yeah, and the curtain jerker match too like, I can understand. Like, this had a simple story. He's lost several times to Kenny King. He's going to get the big win to give him momentum going in. And this almost felt like, well, we got to protect Kenny King here. And to me, Kenny King is not the one that needs protecting. It's the guy needs all the momentum possible. Yeah. And winning on an umbrella spot, I just thought it was it, the audience wasn't all that into it either. No, I know. I know he's the villain and he needs to cheat to win sometimes, but you got to get over that chicken wing. And. Yeah, and I don't think the people really take the Kenny King as a babyface no, either. No, no. So it was like I think Marty's the babyface in this match for sure. So he's the babyface in the match. The, the wins villain. with the heel finish yeah. that will be technically going in as the heel for the match. So I, I can see why people are a little. Um, well, this this was not that hot of a match. Like it was fine, but I wouldn't say anything more than no. Fine. If you don't catch it, you didn't miss much. Uh, how do you feel about Marty going in as the number one contender for the big show? 
Well, you told me the 17th anniversary big show, but the MSG big show. It feels to me that they have not fully committed behind Marty Skrull in these three months. And you tell me because you've seen more of the television than I have. Like I would disagree, and I think as him as the leader of uh, Villain Enterprises. Uh, and bringing in two new guys, that being PCO and Brody King, they've really built a lot of the TV around those three. Well, coming out of this show, like they are three of the big names going into Madison Square Garden. Yes. Um, after tonight. So. I just think Marty could have used a little bit more, uh, I think he sunshine needed... on him after this match. I agree. Yes. Um, so the second match, Jeff Cobb, Shane Taylor for the ROH television title. Um, Shane Taylor, like he's clearly improved a lot from his days of teaming with Keith Lee, where Keith Lee was really the the standout of the two. Yeah. Um. So I had decent expectations for this match. They were greatly exceeded. Uh. They just had this giant monster smash them up style of match where these guys were just throwing each other uh all over the place. It started with a uh, Taylor hitting the pounce period as called by <laughs> Ian Riccoboni channeling Monty Brown. Uh they traded big forearm spots. They went on to the turnbuckle and it was uh Cobb that landed the Okada style drop kick with Taylor seated on the top turnbuckle. Very impressive looking. Cobb then slapped Taylor and hit this delayed German for a two count. Taylor hits the inside out lariat, followed by the Cleveland destroyer for a huge near fall. The audience was just amazed watching this 300 plus pound individual uh, do the Canadian destroyer. And then Taylor comes off the ropes and gets hit with the tour of the islands. And it seemed that Cobb was not fully happy with the application of the tour of the islands because he picked them up and did it a second That's time. That's true. I mean, Taylor was getting up, right? He was, he was like almost, it hadn't knocked him out yet. It's almost like they felt they didn't hit it perfectly. So they redid it, but uh, yeah, it took two tour of the islands to keep him down. So it worked fine for this 13 minutes, 33 seconds. I thought this was really strong. I there, thought maybe the best match I've seen Shane Taylor involved in. I would agree about that for sure. And there was another great spot where, um, cause there was a lot of good stuff in this match, but Cobb had that kind of like flying clothesline where he carried through and went through the ropes and onto the floor. He oh yeah. Cobb <laughs> kills him with this clothesline and the momentum that Cobb delivers, he flies to the floor yeah, like and through the ring, through the ropes onto the floor. I know this might end up on Botchamania or something, but it looked so cool. Like it was just the force of this yeah. clothesline. He delivered that. It just, it just looked like he put everything into this clothesline. In and the I think the fact that he stumbled and kind of fell through the ropes was even better. I, I thought, thought it was you know a happy accident and yep. it, it looked really cool like you just like howled when you saw it and i it I was, was amazing yeah i was glad i caught the replay of it because <laughs> i was taking notes at the time so yeah a very strong match i think even if you were going into this expecting a really good match uh they over delivered so i think jeff cobb's been great since he's come in yeah I, I think he's been a tremendous addition and well we will find out what he is doing at madison square garden uh in a couple of matches yeah in chapter two of the uh <laughs> Lengthy title match we have uh, in store. Mayu Iwatani, Kelly Klein rematch for the Women of Honor title. Iwatani had just won this title recently from Klein on one of the shows in Florida. Iwatani might... uh, There's the part where you think, wow, this woman is just... She is the best seller in the industry. And then you're watching and you're, you're wondering... She might not be selling. She might not be selling at all. (laughs) There were several of these. At the beginning, Klein drills her with this knee and Iwatani's feet like go, like her legs just go limp. She just collapses as though she is dead weight. She looked like she was out. Um, 
maybe she was just tremendously selling this knee, but she was like lifted up by Klein like she was a rag doll. Um, she did come back, hit a pair of sling blades, and then Klein hits this release German, and Iwatani's neck just folds. This was one of many um, scary, scary moments on this pay-per-view. Many this, of them reserved for the main event. This might have been the worst German suplex I've ever seen. This like this woman is uh, probably what 105 pounds, 115 maybe. Yeah, she's she's smaller. Like it was a very very scary moment. Like this took me. Out if of the you want to see it, go find Lance Storm's Twitter feed. Oh, and he's got a picture of it. I would say don't. It, don't okay, do don't do it. <laughs> don't listen to me. But if you're sick and you the still it. shot he has is yes. just something else. The body isn't meant to go in all those directions at once on top of your neck. Yeah, this was just – she was lucky. She was okay. Um, she comes back with a moonsault off the second turnbuckle, then goes for one off the top, and Klein gets her knee up, and she hits her finish the K-Power, which Iwatani kicks out of. And, like, there was a lot of that tonight of, like, kicking out of people's, like, protected finishes, yeah. finishes um, throughout the show. And then Klein nails her with a clothesline called the – Klein line. The Klein line. The Klein line. <laughs> <laughs> and she starts yelling at Iwatani, and I knew I, – I could – telegraph where this was going and Iwatani catches her with an inside cradle and gets the surprise pinfall out of nowhere eight minutes 56 seconds i was really taken out of this with the the next spot where i was just concerned that this woman had like killed herself it was shocking and i i think they also like rushed through a bit here like this was the shortest match on the show um yeah i mean it was um a hard match to really like grade because uh i i just thought that it was just very, very dangerous from that one German spot. Agreed. How did you feel? Uh, did, I think overall, Iwatani with the title uh, does add a lot more interest to this division, which is not really lit. Do you think so? I prefer it on Iwatani. I think that you just have better. But you were just happy that Klein had won it like at the last pay-per-view. And I was. And built it up that no, Klein I... was getting the title and she'd beat three big names-ish yeah. in the division. I agree with that. I, I am a big fan of, of Kelly Klein. I think with Iwatani, it just has I, – I think there is more interest just because of uh, her body of work with, with, okay. with stardom. But I'm not against Kelly Klein either. Like I think she's – these are much better options than Sumi Sakai so, was. So Kelly Klein uh, wins a title and then the the story is is that every one-on-one match she has will be for the title. doesn't matter against who. Every match will be against the title. And then she loses the title, not on TV, and it's barely covered on the Ring of Honor weekly television. Like, I'm watching every week, and it's on Honor Club. This is very difficult to follow a product when they're not even telling you about the title changes on the weekly television. Yes, you were... The service message brought to you by. Yes, you were were very uh, put off by this fact that they they did not place a lot of focus on this this title change. I'm with you. Like, they just... Did this big build for Kelly yes, Klein winning the title? Like so it. I, I do, I do see that, and it almost feels as though um, they want to get it on Iwatani for some idea at the Garden. Which I mean, there was no direction hinted at here, other than what uh, a third match with Kelly Klein. Like they did the fluke finish here, where it was not definitive, but it to me, um, I don't you know. Lose, it just feels you lose like twice to the champ. I think that's it. It right? feels like you should have a new challenge, and maybe it's someone from Stardom coming in. It's not like this Women of Honor division is very deep. No. With challengers. And I mean, they brought Iwatani in kind of out of the blue, no? Uh, yeah, I mean, she's she's been, you know, they've had that stardom relationship now yes. for some time. So she's had a few appearances. But yeah, I mean, it's not like they had been 
building up this title match for a significant period of time. No, it didn't seem that way at all. So I'm kind of curious to see where this women's division is going because uh, you look at Ring of Honor, it's, it's a year old come uh, WrestleMania weekend since they crowned their first champion. And I, I think that the first year, it's definitely been a struggle. Yeah, but the, the division was b- going before that even. Right. Yeah, they had been doing it for a while, yeah. I guess, introducing the title. Yeah. It's been there for a year. So uh, Iwatani somehow survived this match. And then they go to a video package. And we were watching this on a bit of a delay. We were like 15 minutes behind. So I'm like kind of fast forwarding through some of these video packages as we uh, struggle to uh, keep up. And we're going to the video package with Lifeblood, Mark Haskins, and Tracy Williams taking on the kingdom of Vinnie Marcellia and TK Ryan. And... All of a sudden, it's Matt Taven in the ring with Jay Lethal. And I'm saying, what what has happened here? Have we just skipped uh, an entire tag match? We're trying to figure this out. So what happens is the video package ends, and Matt Taven storms out by himself and announces he is the real champion, and he is not waiting any longer. He wants the title match now with Jay Lethal, and that is the match we are going to get in the middle of the show. Jay Lethal and Matt Taven, uh, which would make more sense an hour later why this happened in the middle of the show. Uh, but this is hour plus later, an hour plus later. Yeah. More, more of that to come. So the match begins. Lethal, uh, early on goes for the lethal injection and it's avoided by Taven and he ends up, uh, nailing lethal with a spin kick. Ian Riccoboni interjects to announce that Jeff Cobb will be facing Will Ospreay title versus title at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Now back to our regularly Middle of the match, Cobb challenges Ospreay through the head announcer. There was, Middle of the world championship title match. Like they were not able to put any kind of gravity. Like that. that's a pretty big match. It's title versus title. What about the championship match? Like isn't that more important than somebody challenging like a month away? Well, it just seemed that... It, it it was very peculiar because Ring of Honor and New Japan are very careful about not stepping on one another's booking plans. And Will Ospreay is very much alive in the New Japan Cup, at least until next Wednesday. Yeah. Um, you know, he's probably – well, he's not winning this New Japan Cup, and that was made pretty clear with this match <laughs> announcement. But it was just very strange. Well, they did try and cover it and say, you know, depending how the cup goes. Depending how the cup goes. Uh, oops. Depending on the Sorry. Cup goes. We might have yeah. just teased something we can't deliver. Um yeah, it was just strange. And the actual delivery of it, like, I think it would have been cool if Jeff Cobb just won his match and then he got on the mic. And then you get the reaction of the crowd of, yeah. like, the big, oh, he's challenging Will Ospreay instead of this. That was just a kind of anticlimactic way to announce a big match. I, I think it just could have been laid out with a challenge. in the middle of a champion versus wannabe champion match. Yeah, it just felt really that shoehorned. Is, that in. has been, like, a big angle in this company for five months. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Rock and Hogan, Skydo, WrestleMania. Um, back here to Billy Gunn and Chuck in <laughs> our tag match before the top of the hour. So this match continues, and they're going a long time. And I first – I looked down at my watch, and it's – we're 18 minutes in. I was like, wow, this is we're, – we're, like, going long on this match. And one of Caprice Coleman's lines were that Jay Lethal's chops are so hard they will make you forget who the president is. I think I'd like to get chopped by Jay Lethal. I was going to say, like, Jay Lethal <laughs> could really market these. Um, Lethal is 
dealing with a shoulder injury that uh, Taven has been working over. Ian Riccoboni adding the fact that he was rushed into this match and didn't, didn't get, get to, to do his, his stretching Sorry. techniques. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Jay Lethal not at optimal uh, health going into this one. Uh, Taven applies a cross face onto the and then a rings of Saturn affecting the shoulder. But Lethal is able to get to the ropes and... Out of nowhere, he hits the lethal combination, makes his comeback, and then he's going for a top rope elbow drop. But before he can hit the elbow drop, the balloons ascend from underneath the ring. Todd Sinclair is a five-year-old in a trance, staring at these balloons so that he is completely hypnotized to the fact that Vinny Marcellia runs in and attacks Jay Lethal. With uh, a bat. With a bat, yes. Not Todd Sinclair, not bumped, doesn't catch any of this nope. inside of the ring staring at the balloons jonathan gresham runs down he gets attacked with a chair shot to the knee that would play into uh, his match being canceled and then they set up a table as mark haskins and tracy williams ran down to stop the kingdom and sinclair still distracted as taven hits lethal with a low blow this all leads to a near fall this is about 25 minutes into the match, yeah, and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is setting up the finish. No, we keep going. Uh, Lethal survives all of this and lands a cutter. So they get them yam bags, though. He hit him in the yam bags, as it was described. Um, both are, are countering. They're going through all these big holds. Lethal hits the lethal injection. Taven kicks out of it. Then Lethal follows with a cutter onto the edge of the apron. A ladder is brought out. This was one of the best parts from the commentary was Ian Riccoboni explaining, well, of course, there's a ladder there because of the gaffers we have here in Las Vegas to design and tear down the set. This was one of the highlights of the show for me in that someone has finally explained why some of the stuff is under the I love the fact that Ian Riccoboni just gave a logical reason. Like, you can come up. Just give me anything. Anything. Like, hey. Those lights don't put themselves up. Now, why the kendo sticks were there? That's a different story. But. Well, I was waiting for <laughs> – at one point in the main event, they're like, why are there so many tables here? I was like, there's an easy craft services for the gaffers to well, they, explain they, I it. mean, they did say that the the each team had kind of uh, put what they wanted underneath the ring. Well, and the, then you have the kendo sticks and explained. It, exactly. Yes. They flew to <laughs> Thailand. They picked up a, a rack of sticks and brought them back brought to Las back. Vegas. So I, I thought that the match – it. Really, from I would say the what fifteen minute to like forty five minute point, I thought that was a long thirty minutes, and that's when you're once you're hitting forty, it's like okay, they're at least teasing they're going sixty, if not outright going the sixty. I will say for the final ten minutes, the audience was pretty much with it, and that was to their credit because there were no uh, updates on the time because they don't do you know thirty minutes gone by, forty minutes gone by, like in New Japan, and we didn't even get it down the stretch, like five minutes left. So you kind of eliminated that drama from the live crowd, but to their credit, like the audience was in it towards the end, and I think they sensed they were going long. Um, so. Taven spits into Lethal's face, hits him with a penalty kick, and then Taven leaps off the top, but he's caught with a cutter on the way down. He kicks out of that. They start striking from their knees. Lethal is landing several super kicks, and on my stopwatch, this is when they hit 60 minutes, and they went like a good 40 seconds afterwards because he hits a lethal injection for another two count, and then the bell rings to signal the 60-minute time limit. So I think they took some liberties with the hard 60 minutes. Um, I, I, I thought that this was a really long match. There's a reason there are very few 
60 minute draws because it's a really tough match to pull off. And I think they're going to get a lot of praise for the fact they did it. Um, they were conditioned to go the 60 minutes. They were not tired at the end. Taven hit this unbelievable tope over the top to the floor around 55 minutes in, which was very spectacular given the time. But there were a lot of bells and whistles attached to this. They had the run-ins. They had weapons. And it just it felt like I, I, I would not put this on my uh, my match of the year candidates list. No, I. But there I will be a lot of like praise first, for it. Once the balloons came out, I think the the match picked up at that point. Yeah, and I think that was when everything started to fall into place. And before that, ooh, it was it was a little for, for me. It was like the last fifteen minutes. I think really, um, what was the portion I thought was strongest. So both guys are beaten down. They they can't get they can't get up. The crowd's chanting five more minutes. Uh, they're explaining the announcers explaining that you know both guys are still hurt and you know they've given everything they got and who comes out Marty comes out yeah Marty comes out for the big heel spot where he's standing over the two guys who are dead and puts the title on his shoulders a lot of heat for him and you know Matt Taven they didn't shake hands him and Lethal afterwards uh, yeah Skrull takes off with the title yeah very much hinting at a three way for Madison Square Garden. So tune in. I'm sure. Did they mention the three way just during one of the matches? Uh, in passing? <laughs> I uh, mean, it was pretty much planted and and hinted at that it looks like that's what it was going to be. That that Matt Taven should still be the number one contender. And Taven kind of comes out of this like as a semi baby face. Like I would he, agree. Like he comes out of this as the guy that hung with the champion for 60 minutes. Lethal couldn't beat him, and the audience begrudgingly respected Taven by the end of it. Even though Taven wouldn't shake hands with Lethal, kind of nah, keeping that. Kind of threw a streamer at him and walked away. Right? Nothing mm-hmm. too Healy. No. Yeah. It was like this was um, kind of to me the big focus was on Taven uh, throughout this whole thing. Like yeah, this, I think Taven felt- definitely comes out better. Mm-hmm. At the end of this match. So what do, what do you expect for Madison Square Garden? Is this uh, a three-way or is Taven kind of left on the sidelines? I think Marty wins the belt and he pins Taven. Yeah, that's a possible way. Right. And then you, and then you get a rematch somewhere down the line before Marty leaves with Lethal. Right. Or, you know, based on this kind of a finish, I could see Lethal retaining it, pinning Skrull. But again, he can't beat Taven, and it's. Like, I think that, like, I feel give, you have to do a rematch out of this at some point. I think that they're going to give Marty the belt just to kind of. He seems to be the hottest character on this show right now. Yeah, the one guy, and uh, I think the crowd that is stuck with them that was uh, elite fans, and there might be less and less of them as we've kind of noticed with some of the ticket sales for some of these shows, but. Uh, they want. I think they want to see Marty with the belt. Yeah, I, I thought booking wise, I found this to be intriguing. Um, throughout the end of it, this was a feud. I was, you know, I I really enjoy all of Lethal's big title matches. I, I wasn't really anticipating this match with, with a lot of interest. This just felt like a kind of this program's been teased for so long, doing the champion versus champion deal. Um, and I'll say by by the end of this match, I, I think that Taven really upped his stock. Um, that said, I, I think sixty minutes was a big ask. Um, I think this was a really uh, I don't know if the 60 minutes necessarily helped it, but we'll see. Um, that was the part of the story. I think that's that- where you get to the draw, right? I mean, usually with a I've got it, the real belt kind of thing. Right. You know, you go and back. You can't it's usually it's a ladder match, right? Like that's sure. usually how you finish these kind of storylines, right? Well, we didn't have a secondary belt. title because they destroyed it on TV last week. That, exactly. And I think that's why we're going with the three-way, right? Like all the seeds were planted. So coming out of this, the only way you follow a 60-minute draw Mega Ran, the Mega Ran. Yes, he came out with a uh, another rapper. Uh, I didn't catch his name, and they get stopped. He he's doing a 
We're going to the garden rap. That is not getting over all that well. No. Bully Ray comes out. I thought Bully Ray was going to be a babyface by the end of this segment because this is not getting over very well. And Bully Ray asks why he is wasting time on his pay-per-view. The rappers. Yes. He hates rap music and they suck. I thought he was going to say rap is crap. <laughs> I thought so too. Yeah, I'll have a cowboy hat. The uh, the, nor- the northeast uh, redneck. Uh, he says that Mega Ran stole his name from Mega Man. Zinger. And he's a washed up nobody, which Mega Ran tried to make a comeback saying, how can I be washed up if I was a nobody? His comebacks were very bad. I kind of like the one where he said, if you just let me do it, it would have been over. <laughs> that, that, that was that was a good line. because yeah, He's like, if you just let me do my rap, I would have been done by now. And now we're going overtime. So he brings up that Megaran is a big video game player and says, you must be like the marks that played Raw and SmackDown. And did you play as my character? Did you play as uh, as Bubba Ray? And he says, no, I played as Devon. And I think was expecting a much bigger reaction than he, than he got. He dropped the mic. And that was the sound that we got from that. Bully Ray says that no one in ROH or New Japan has ever performed at the Garden. He's sold it out. Um, this was also after he shoved down uh, Mega Ran and his buddy. And Who didn't seem to be playing along very well. No, no. Bubba was getting a little upset. Bubba got <laughs> – I think Bubba was legit pissed because one of the rappers was uh, – the, the second guy was like smirking at the beginning of this yeah. promo. And he told him to cut that shit out. We're doing a promo here. So he was left in the ring, said he's the only one that sold out the garden. He threatened to attack two children in the front row. Three. Three children? One idiot child and their two stupid friends or something like that. These were like amazing. These were like eight-year-old kids yeah. that were sent like running from the front row. Yeah, they were like in the barrier and then they just like or ran bully away. threatened them. This was <laughs> using kids for heat. So then he issues an open challenge to anyone in the wrestling business for the G1 Supercard for a New York City street fight. And or retired. A- or retired. And he adds, you know who you are. So he's calling out some mysterious person and says and adds at the end by calling that person a punk. So I don't know what we are. Yeah. Who could that be? Are we just thinking someone like with punk in their name or something? Because that would be like to me. It wasn't he didn't hit it over your head like you were supposed to think it was CM Punk, but it was someone mysterious. I would not want to be steering people in the direction of a CM Punk, if you cannot deliver such, no, such and a the, thing. No, and the so, crowd was chanting for Flip, and he tried to, like, Yeah, he was downplaying. I, I, I feel that Punk was left there as kind of just, like, a subtle thing for people to speculate on. But it wasn't, like, driven hard for people to be led that way. But that was how he ended the promo. Who do you want to see Billy face off? Or Bully Ray face off with? I mean, I Flip was kind that. of the direction here. But I feel with an open challenge like this, you're going to have heightened expectations now yeah. for someone. It's a New York for, City street fight open challenge. Um, it's going to be Tommy Dreamer, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there I could don't be think it needs to be Tommy no. Dreamer. No. I, I think whenever you do the mystery opponent, you got to have a big surprise. I so I, I don't think Flip Gordon cuts it. And, and that was kind of finished to me, a final battle. I think it should be, even though uh, on the TV – uh, there's been shots of uh, Bully Ray sitting by his fire pit saying he never quit. Yeah. I mean, there's... I'm assuming his wife is holding the camera or his camera phone while he's doing this. And he's just like pouring lighter fluid on the outdoor fire pit over and over again. Oh, okay. You should really look it up. It's great stuff. 
that's uh that's that's uh that's not cheap heat that's uh that's lighter fluid heating right so that was the promo uh Roosh and Bandito followed that with Dalton Castle on commentary replacing Nick Aldis. I come back getting some water and I'm like, who is on commentary? Who is talking about all this luscious hair? I did not care. It was Dalton Dalton Castle on commentary. He was a lot to handle. Uh, This match was like 100 miles an hour. Uh, Roosh powerbombed Bandito through a ringside table where Carrie Silken was seated at and didn't move. So you've no, just, just got this large body <laughs> and a broken table at his feet. Um, and, no, and Bobby Cruz and the timekeeper lady. They at least moved uh, <laughs> after the table. The like Carrie just was in the middle. So he was caught there to just deal with this um bandito hit a fosbury flop that looked really great the audience was chanting for him roosh hit a canadian destroyer bandito just pops up immediately from the destroyer and goes for a -a tilt-a-whirl as they kind of crashed into the ropes there was a deadlift superplex by roosh a topecon hero and then bandito did your favorite move of the match it was roosh he was holding on to the second rope so he's draped on the second rope Bandito runs across the ring, does a spring, a double springboard into a 450. As Roosh is just holding on this whole time, all this time, and then takes the 450. And you're asking me, well, why did he have to run all the ropes like that? I, just I was the like springboard. the smart ass fan of this one, but it was, you know, I like Lucha, and this was that spot was too much. When it's uh, the heavily, uh, whenever it's the guy holding on, whether it's the double foot stomp or in this case a yeah. uh, 450, it's tough to. You kind of just have to accept the cooperation level of the <laughs> opponent here to pull this off. Um, but then Roosh, uh, this is when he hit the Tobikan Hero. Bandito comes back moments later with a hurricane run off the apron. It was really a lot of just like ping pong of like just your turn, my turn, just back and forth. Like, it was good to get the crowd back into it. Though. Uh, the crowd was hot the for this. hour long match and, and Bully Ray. Listen, they, I think there was a big contingent that came that wanted to see this match. Uh, it ended with Roosh firing up and hitting his running seated drop kick into the corner. And the story had been both men undefeated in Ring of Honor so far. And Roosh wins. I like the fact clean win. One guy continues undefeated. The other guy suffers his first loss. Yep. Uh, so Roosh is the winner. Just tons of charisma here. Afterwards, uh, Dalton Castle gets into the ring and makes this challenge. And Roosh gave a very long-winded response that I assume he accepted the challenge for Madison Square Garden. Uh, that's what we are led to believe. I mean, Dalton-, Dalton came out and he was talking about how he was here to watch this match because these guys are undefeated. And he feels like his performance in Ring of Honor lately has been below his standards. So I like that he was out there for a reason yes. and that there's a reason why he wants to see these guys when he called Roosh a big pile of meat afterwards i was like really like this is what you want to get at like where's the competition here it was just a lot with like the dalton castle lines for commentary it's just i don't know uh, it was kind of a turnoff for me uh for this particular match but then sets up the challenge so Roosh dalton castle presumably so cool. you were looking forward to this match we were kind of touching i, I mean i liked it um you know, I'm sure some people might. I think the lion share of people are going to look at the main event as match of the show. Um, I don't know. I think that this one's uh, this was one of the better matches on the show. Yeah, I, I liked it. How okay. about you? Uh, I liked it too. I was a little bit. Uh, I feel like they didn't quite click as much as I was kind of expecting them to. Um, but I think this has probably been Roosh's best performance in Ring of Honor. I thought on some of the TV shows he maybe hasn't gone full out. Yeah. Uh, and maybe saving stuff for the bigger shows, which is cool. 
Yeah, and he was in with an opponent in Bandito that I think uh, is going to showcase a lot. Yeah, it that's was, true. You know, it was a big showcase for for both guys. And I it feel. seems like Bandito has really gotten uh, over with this crowd, with yes. his audience in Ring of Honor. Like, wherever they seem to go, people are really into him. Totally. And the the three-way at Madison Square Garden should be yeah electric with that, uh, uh, Ishimori and Dragon Lee and Bandito. Like, that that should be excellent. That yeah. could steal the show. I That's one match I'm looking forward to, for sure, as soon as I heard that. So then we get the update that Jonathan Gresham, he had his leg attacked earlier on, so his match with Silas Young is off. And the tag match with Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams against the Kingdom is also off because the Kingdom has left the building after Taven's match. Now, these are the updates for those of you who've been watching the pay-per-view and not following along on social media like you should be after paying for this pay-per-view. You could be distracted by following Twitter feeds. You should have been on Twitter. Then you would have been <sighs> known that you would have known what you had paid for, what this... you were getting. <laughs> How did you feel about this? Because these two matches were announced over the past few days. And it would seem here on the surface, as we're talking just moments after the pay-per-view ended, that these matches were just red herrings to not make anyone think we were getting a 60-minute draw. Do you think it was... In, on the one hand, I see it being you know, a clever way to um, surprise people that they're doing a draw in the middle of the show and then you take these matches off. On the other hand, it is a pay-per-view and you have advertised matches. Um, do you have any issue with you know taking these matches off? Uh, not to say these were driving people's decision to buy the show. These were you know two of the smaller matches on the show. But nonetheless, it's still matches that you're advertising in advance knowing you're not going to deliver them yeah and i mean there wasn't a lot of build-up for either of these two matches um through the last couple months for sure but it kind of takes away from lifeblood getting a little bit of pay-per-view time which i'm assuming is still a storyline they want to go forward with and and they're building towards this honor is returning to ring of honor with lifeblood um they're gonna be on life support at this rate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was a clever way, if that was the case, to to kind of... I didn't mind it at all. Like, I, I did see these matches. Like, I always enjoyed, like, the Jonathan Gresham match, especially, you know, it's not always that he gets onto a pay-per-view, but that said, I thought that it was a clever way to, to work around things, so... But why can't we cover this stuff when we're watching the pay-per-view? Like... I, I thought that there was a much better answer than... I think that they should have explained it like the you know we the match went 60 minutes and we had to, we have to adjust our schedule that you can be yeah they, they should have been updating that right away but they still had to go through the main event which was already running out of time true yes right? yeah <laughs> they explained that they have a three-hour window but the pay-per-view providers have given them uh, enough time to get through the main event is that usually how things work uh, I guess they made a quick call WCW did not do this with Halloween Havoc 98. Or ECW. and Oh, yeah, with uh, seconds to go for Barely Legal. Um, They were barely on the air. So, yeah, they explained those matches will happen at a later date. And then Silas Young joins commentary for the main event. I enjoyed Silas Young a lot. Silas Young is really good here. He's got this character perfect. Like, he is great. He's ripping on Ian for being disgusted at the violence. Um I thought he really worked, given that this is, was a street fight. Um, really didn't have much attachment to any of the performers here. It just seemed like no. this was a spot for Silas Young to be on the pay-per-view. I mean, he is kind of, Yeah, it's true that it gives him a time to be on, on uh, the pay-per-view. But he's also been kind of tied in with Bully and the Briscoes through this sort of like... Uh, they were the guys that beat down the elite when they left. That's they right. They took them out. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of like percolating... Uh, heel faction ish kind of thing going on uh and he's part of it and he's kind of been siding with the briscoes so 
Yeah, I, I like them a lot on commentary here. It was him, Caprice Coleman, and Ian Riccoboni. So we have the Briscoes against Brody King and PCO, a Las Vegas street fight for the tag titles. And we should mention Brody King, uh, he was on a tour in Australia last week and broke his left hand and went ahead with this match. I, I don't know why I was thinking that he was going to be careful. This guy did so much more than I expected, and there was a frightening spot Um Involving him and Jay Briscoe at one point late in the match. Um, man, I was, uh, you know, a broken hand. It's it's not the the and worst injury wire, you could his have. His jaw is still wired shut too, right? I think the jaw is okay now. Okay. But he was wrestling with a wired shut jaw for some time as well around Christmas time. So anyway, this was a really demanding match for a, a healthy individual. And these four, they killed each other for 20 minutes. Yes. Uh, this was a very violent match. The ring is filled up with chairs instantly. Uh, PCO lifts Mark on the edge of the apron and puts him through a table on the floor with a Michinoku driver. That was about three minutes in. Uh, well, it started with a chair fight where he was. Th- yeah, everyone like this is Brody King with his broken hand is doing the dueling chair spot yeah. with the the metal on metal. Yeah. Oh that's my gonna, god, that's going to vibrate through. That's going to hurt. Oh. Um, minutes later, we had Brody King lift Mark onto his shoulders, drove him through a table with a Death Valley driver into the corner. Jay Briscoe uh, is busted open early on in the match, and he bled buckets. He was com- his face was completely covered in it was, blood. It was Cactus Jack style blood. Yeah, like just flowing all over the place. Capri were- said, "I can smell the blood." Well, that's that's heavy blood. That's, that's bad. Yeah. I was hoping Caprice was going to like puke or something like that when he said that. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Caprice and Ian Riccoboni were very turned off by the blood because Ian was saying he was getting it onto their into onto his suit. Yep. And Silas Young was just ripping him apart for being so squeamish. Yep. That he's never seen blood in his and he's never caused blood. He's never had blood on him. Yeah. Not like a real man. Puts a little dirt on it afterwards. Uh, PCO booked his uh, chiropractor session for the month by taking a back body drop onto the edge of the apron, followed by a back body drop onto the metal ramp. Yeah. Brody King says, PCO, do something crazy. He did. He did. (laughs) He did. He did lots of crazy stuff. I think Brody King did more crazy stuff in this match. Um, Mark put uh, Brody King through two tables on the floor with a blockbuster. And Mark took the worst of this. Then Jay hit the Jay driller and Brody King kicked out. Yeah. I was – that's the reaction I had. And the, Brody King's a, a big dude to be – Oh, he, yeah. And to me, like the J-Driller is one of the very protected moves yes. in Ring of Honor um, because it was notable when PCO, like his first match back, he kicked out of a J-Driller and then Brody King kicks out of it. Audience did not go – it was also very early in the match that it didn't feel like any – But that could have been the end. It, this was like 14, There's already been a lot in. that's happened in this match. I guess maybe. I was. Ex- <laughs> I, I had not seen PCO do more insanity yet, but I was kind of surprised it didn't get a bigger reaction, the Jay Driller kickout, because I look at that as like a really big kickout spot. Yeah. Um, and that was, again, as I said on this show, there were a lot of big kickouts from finishes, like Lethal Injection, the Jay Driller. Um, but, I mean, the announcers didn't make a big sound like it was a big deal, though. The Briscoes then attack King and PCO with kendo sticks, ending with PCO breaking them over his knee. A la also, Bo Jackson. Yeah, but he's also busted open hard way. Yes. Taking kendo sticks to the face. Yeah, PCO just ate all these kendo stick shots and just told him to keep coming. So everyone's bleeding at this point in, in some form or fashion. Maybe uh, Brody, it, not yet, but soon. Brody would yeah, be busted open soon. from the forehead. <laughs> Mark was on the top turnbuckle, and there's a table set up on the floor. So King goes to do the flare spot and toss him. 
but he tosses them over the table and lands on these three chairs that are lying there. And oh my god, this spot! Like you and I just gasped. I, we didn't see Mark after this. He wasn't busted open, which was surprising. I think Mark, yeah, was okay. He was the only one, yeah. You're gonna in, this, instead, but, he was yeah. just mangled, uh, missing this table and hitting the chairs. They also stabbed PCO in the chest. With a with broken, a broken kendo kendo stick. stick. Yeah. Just, I thought he was going to do one of the deals with like the, the blood in his mouth and oh. just have the internal bleeding gimmick. <laughs> so then Brody King lifts up Jay Briscoe on the edge of the apron for a pile driver through this unbroken table. And you can see he's lifting him with his good hand and doesn't have <laughs> like a one-handed pile driver. He can't do it. And they just – they tip over onto the table – this was a really scary spot. Like, a pile driver onto the edge of the apron, the margin for error is so small. Like, you remember the the Mike Bennett, uh, BJ Whitmer spot at yes. Maple Leaf Gardens, like, on the edge of the apron. And watching this, and you throw a table into the equation with a dude with a broken hand, like, there, there's got to be some, like, this is just too much. And he's lucky that there wasn't a worse injury here. There was when, so much in this match. This this was not needed, for sure. There was right? a lot of overkill in this match, for me personally. It ends with, like, Jay Briscoe is rolled into the ring. They put the chair onto his chest, and PCO does the crazy PCO salt off the top and pins Jay Briscoe at 20 minutes. So PCO Brody King win the tag titles. Yep. Um, a spectacle of a match. I'm sure many people, this would be their match of the night. Um, this... It's not my cup of tea when you're getting to this uh, level of violence, but that's what this was marketed as, as a street fight, and you can't say it didn't deliver in that in that sense. Like, this closed the show hot for this crowd, and you did the big title change. And the story is PCO returning to Madison Square Garden for the first time since 1994. When he headlined. Yes, and now he's going back as a tag team champion with Brody King. So, Bully was wrong? Someone else headlined? In the company? Yeah, maybe PCO's going to... Where was he to take up Brody, uh, Bully Ray on that? <laughs> so uh, what, what did you think of the match? Uh, very violent. It was very violent. I think there's a difference of when you're in the audience for a match like that versus watching it at home. When you're in the audience, I think you're, you're, you don't see everything quite as in your face, like when you're watching it on TV, but you're also more involved in the storytelling, I think. Right. Um. Now, watching that at home, you're like, man, these guys, these Briscoes have been through a lot in 17 years in this company. I love the fact that the tag team titles um, main event, the pay-per-view. I did, too, especially when you were doing – like, they could have um, – they could have put the the last ma- – uh, the the 60-minute match on last. But sure. I think that this was the better way to end the show. I'm I, not I, sure. I'm not sure about that. I think with the going 60, you also risk the fact if, if people go long, which we have seen some ROH main events that have gotten cut for yeah. time, um, and you need, you know, 60 minutes plus entrances plus post match, like you're looking at an, an hour 15 that you have to have earmarked and everyone's got to be on time. It might have been a bit of a cushion to put it in the middle of the show. That's right. And if, if you're looking at the clock and it's, you know, an hour left to go, you're like, oh, I guess they're going to be going for the hour long match here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That right? kind of does telegraph it if away. they were going into the ring right at 11 o'clock. But Eastern. I think the, the, the outcome of that match as the end uh, visual of Marty with the belt, I think that going forward to Madison Square Gardens is important. But last month, how the, uh, the tag team titles were also the main event. I just like, you know, this is something that Vince would not do. I like ever it, and I, even yep. though we have a pay-per-view like you know every two and a half weeks it seems or three weeks with Vince 
I would like to see something like this in WWE every once in a while where the tag team titles are the main event and it just changes the flow of everything. It's like the, you go with what is the main event program yeah. and you know, they're kind of relaxing it now, like where you see like a women's title that can now close a show. I, I don't see why you can't do that one day with the tag titles when you have that feel like a main event program. This feels like a main event program with PCO, Brody King, and the Briscoes. So, and, and it worked. This was, I, I thought, a fine way to end the show. Did you have an issue that Marty didn't come out with his Enterprise? I thought that was an odd choice. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, Marty Skrull, to me, um, he didn't feel like a, a dominant presence on this show. And I would say going into... Not to say that um, the ROH title match is going to go on last. You would think it would um, at the Garden, depending on what the card is. I think it's going to be the IWGP. It, it probably will be. Um, it's kind of weird. It's like it, it is a ROH show, but it's also it is a New Japan show as well. Yeah, they kinda, have, they've cross promoted it right it's from the start. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see what closes it. But nonetheless, it's a big match on the show, and I just didn't feel that Marty Skrull really felt like that big presence on this show. Maybe having him come out three times altogether would be a little too much. I just feel like, you know, Villain Enterprises is something that's only been in this company for one, two, like two and a half months, let's say. You know, having him with his crew win their first titles and him like standing there also holding the Ring of Honor title. I mean, it's a it's a new direction for the company. It's tough. Like you're pushing Marty as this, you know, the villain character. PCO and Brody King were anything but at the end of this. Like they were complete. Baby faces to me to the crowd, yeah. Like that, like it's. They didn't to, work to me, this was an unbelievable performance from Brody King. Like yeah. I, I think this was really this was more the focus on him and the injury he had than PCO. They uh, they haven't brought out the guy with the electrodes. Yet. Destro, Destro, yeah. Even though gotta they mentioned him on TV, but that yeah, the heck, I guess they're going to save him for something. He's right got to be like knocked out with a. He should be. He maybe he'll be taken out with like a, a J driller backstage, and then he'll get um, jolted, jolted back to life at the garden. But so as of now, the title versus title match is now the Gorillas of Destiny against PCO and Brody King. Do you see that match being as is? I mean the uh, the Ring of Honor shows that were in New Japan a month and a half ago. They were building up with the Briscoes versus G.O.D. Yeah, like leading they did to the whole the gardens, right? Yeah, they, they had, the whole they had a turn on each other after a couple screw ups and matches. There uh, is still. Uh, let's just get the uh, the schedule here for ROH because they still have the television tapings uh, tomorrow night, and then they have the Road to the G1 Supercard on March 31st in Baltimore. So you still have two shows, and those tapings shows, will right. be very interesting to see because I would say coming out of the tapings, we should have the whole lineup of ROH you matches. So, um, they're they're, they're still kind of waiting on the New Japan Cup to finish up too. Like yeah. That's one of the handicaps of having that tournament so late in March is being able to announce. Well, in the case of Will Ospreay, they just went ahead and announced it anyway, even though he's in the tournament. So if you're thinking about putting money on Ospreay, it might be a good idea to change your bet. Yeah, might might be breaking some brackets this week. But as he's taking on Okada, I think many people would be expecting that anyway. So uh, an interesting show. How did you How did you feel about the show overall? I would have liked to see more of a focus on this history of the 17th anniversary show. Calling it the 17th anniversary show should be important, but it felt like everything was just a step toward the gardens. Which I can understand. I mean, that yeah. it is the bigger show and it's, you know, it just, that's the timing of it. They wanted to run this pay-per-view now. It just didn't, to me, it didn't feel like the need for a pay-per-view 
three weeks before the big show. It's funny. And I think this is a, I kind of crammed in the last week and a half and I caught up on all the TV, but I didn't watch all of the honor club stuff. And when you've got honor club uh, shows, which are pretty much just a pay-per-view, but for your streaming service only, you're missing out on a lot that they don't touch base on on the TV show, a la the women's title changing hands. Right. That was barely touched upon on the TV. I didn't watch this week's TV, but uh, it was mentioned a couple weeks ago. And maybe a show like this didn't need to be a pay-per-view. Like maybe it could have just been an honor club show. I found it very complicated to try and follow along. Like you've got your TV stuff, you've got your honor club, I guess kind of house shows that still drive your characters and still drive your angles going towards a pay-per-view and the stuff on TV, the free weekly TV, which is usually your way of following a company didn't build toward the pay-per-view at all. Right. I shouldn't say didn't build a lot, but the focus was definitely not on the pay-per-view. It's as a weekly television show. I, and I think that, you know, you watch the structure of these pay-per-views and the fact that they, they put those video packages in for every match. I think they go with the assumption that there may be people that are just, they go from pay-per-view to pay-per-view and are not watching each week. Well, yeah. I mean, I can totally see that because even I, even if you are watching each week, you're still not getting all of the angles yeah. that are heading no, that's towards a, that's, the paper. That's an issue. Which is more Like if you're watching the TV, I think you should be up on everything. You should know. There should not be any questions if you are watching every single if week. If you're watching weekly TV to get to the pay-per-view, then you should know everything that's going on, right? And to also have to follow along on the Honor Club shows plus – your weekly TVs and you're going to drop the money on the pay-per-view. And now they're telling you, you got to follow along on social media while you're watching the pay-per-view to cover the angles of who's leaving and not they're leaving to not do their match anymore. It's very complicated. What do you give this show on a scale of one to 20? Uh, the show on its own, I'm going to give it uh 16 out of 20. All right. The forum gave this a 14.83. Okay. So that's a good uh, good mark. We have two pieces of feedback here. First from Gerard. Pretty good show. The Lethal Taven match exceeded my expectations, especially for a 60-minute draw. However, I don't think MSG needs a multi-man match for the ROH title, which is what they are clearly teasing. Also, I'm far more excited for Villain Enterprises versus Gorillas of Destiny than G.O.D. versus the Briscoes, to be honest. But here's my beef. I'd be pissed if I was an Honor Club subscriber and they canceled two matches. In 2019, a company with the kind of backing of ROH shouldn't be relying on pay-per-views, especially when they have a streaming service that airs these shows. They should be trying to push more fans to subscribe instead of being held at the mercy of pay-per-view windows. Um, listen, that was their booking. Like, they know what the window is, and they wanted to do a 60-minute draw. So that's that was kind of on them. Um, but yeah, you don't, I you don't need a four-and-a-half-hour show either. Let's be honest. Yeah, listen, there's... It's kind of the extremes. We talk about the WWE who they do not have any problem when it comes to time restrictions of going as long as they want, as we will see in three weeks on WrestleMania night. <laughs> but uh the same time here, uh yeah, I can see like there are people that wanted to see those matches, but um who's still paying I, I would be curious. If you're if you're gonna pay for this pay per view or you pay for Ring of Honor pay-per-views regularly as a pay-per-view to your cable provider, why would you not sign up for Honor Club? I think that there's still people that don't fully enjoy the relying on a streaming service, especially Ring of Honor that does have a history of that. I will say tonight was the worst streaming we've had. We've been watching these Honor Club pay-per-views for 
but this is like the third show, fourth show right, we've done. Yeah. Uh, tonight's was bad. Tonight was a bad feed compared to the last few we've watched. Yeah, we were having a lot of buffering issues uh, throughout throughout the show. And we weren't even watching it like live. We were still like a little bit on a 15-minute delay. Yeah. I think that you're, you're still going to get people that are, you know, that like there's still people that buy WWE pay-per-views to this day. Um, yeah. I mean, Fight TV, you can buy this online. You can stream this for – it's like 35 bucks to buy it on Fight TV. Why you would do that versus sign up for Honor Club. Yeah. Um, so uh, Chris from Queensland, Australia, great show. However, I felt the world championship match fell flat at the end as it seemed uh, on one, including the commentators, knew the 60 minutes had passed. Yeah, well, they, they didn't exactly hit the time. <laughs> A few surprise results in the G1 Supercard is really starting to take shape. Honestly, thought the Briscoes had the win in the bag tonight. With only tomorrow's TV tapings and a road to event on the 31st, do you expect any big news tomorrow? Are you expecting anything uh, mind-blowing for this uh, Madison Square Garden show to be announced at the tapings? There's a lot of guys that still have to find a spot. To me, like the New Japan guys that I think everyone is curious about. Yes. You know, your Okadas and Tanahashis and everyone fitting in beyond just Jay White's title match. Would you like to see, like, Ring of Honor versus New Japan? That's kind of the tease you're getting, aren't you? From, like, the title versus title matches that they've been yeah. introducing. Yes, we have a straight ROH title match. We'll probably have a straight... Well, we will have a straight IWGP title match. Um, but... It seems to be a bit of a theme there. I'm just looking at, um, you know, for Tanahashi, for instance, who I don't believe is going to win the New Japan Cup. Uh, who, who on the roster um, jumps out at you? Oh, it's got to be Bully Ray, right? Like Street Fight? <laughs> He's got to oh. be. Hiroshi Tanahashi in a New York Street <laughs> Fight uh, with, with Mega Ran in his corner. <laughs> Tanahashi rapping at the end. Uh, who would you, you'd have to put him in a tag match with somebody? You know, I I can't see a one on one match that has that cachet, and I juice, especially after doing Maybe the New juice? Japan Cup. Yeah, it's, right. It's yeah, I, I'm not expecting a big match out of Tanahashi. No, um, it, you know what? If my pick at the beginning was for Kota Ibushi to win the New Japan Cup, so this is a big if. If Okada does not win, Tanahashi and Okada teaming up, I think, will mean something to people. I think so. I, I think uh, doing that at the Garden, those two together. Um, I think you can get away with that for a garden show. And who would you put them against? Um, the Briscoes. <laughs> they need opponents now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I think of anybody in Ring of Honor, yeah, I think that you know you could uh, saddle those two guys together with those. I uh, think they would hang. One final one here, Andrew from St. John. I like the show. I missed the first half hour, so my calculus for what matches were left was skewed and would remain so the whole way. I've heard mixed opinions on the 60-minute draw, so three thoughts. Number one, the match really picked up after the run-ins were over, but that was because it felt like the match was ending. Number two, I totally could have done without the first 10 minutes of the match before that. And number three, though Taven is a great heel, he doesn't catch my attention as an in-ring performer. I only wanted more Bandito Rush, which ruled, and the main event was chaotic fun, even if I'm constantly worried for PCO. Who is going to face the Gorillas of Destiny now? Well, as of now, PCO and Brody King. Do you think that the Briscoes could wiggle themselves into a three-way match there too? Uh, I don't. Is that too much? Not if you're. It is if you're doing that for the ROH title match, which I feel that's more designed. I feel like for they're the going to want to try and get a lot of people on this show. Though. They are, but they've got that honor rumble, remember? And that that's where, unfortunately, a lot of guys can get thrown into just to be on the card. Yeah. Um, but they also are going to want to see a lot of the Japanese stars for this crowd that bought tickets for this is going to want to see a lot of the Japanese stars. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a balancing act for such yeah. a big show. Where and there's now a bunch of CML guys. 
coming that's into. true that's true that's true as well and you know there's always the potential of doing a title flip at the, t- the television tapings yeah um they they could do that as well so uh before we wrap up i did want to uh quickly ask you uh you went to the WWE house show last week, and you have secured tickets for a big card in Dallas. Uh, uh, yeah, there up. might be a road trip going down to Dallas. Yep. Well, first of all, the house show last week. How was it at the Coca-Cola Coliseum? Uh, it was fun. It was nice to see a crowd that was not anti-Roman Reigns or not anti-John Cena. They didn't have anybody that they were kind of... Now, Roman was here. not on the card. Roman was not on the card. Seth was Seth Rollins was not on the card. Um, the crowd, but you didn't get Ronda. We did get Ronda. The crowd was there for Ronda. Even though the heel turn had happened on Monday, the crowd was still there for Ronda. And, and positive response. Positive her. response. Even though she acted like a heel, it was still positive responses. For sure. How about like a uh, kid's audience? Was it a sizable kid's audience at the uh, show? I think any house show you go to at, at a place like that, yeah. there's it's there's a lot of families. Um, you were You were saying like it was about two thirds full? I would say, yeah, maybe up to three quarters. There yeah. was a lot of floor seats that were empty. I think there's Coca-Cola Coliseum, like for wrestling, that can hold about, I would say, 9,000 or so. I think so. Yeah. There was a lot of empty seats on the floor. Uh, obviously, the, the lower priced stuff was, was full and packed and people were ready. And, uh, what's your theory on that? Because it was a time when they filled the, the former Rico Coliseum. Like they, I mean, we used to go to house shows at the Skydome, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> think about that. Oh, and I know. That's like, what it's come down to. Anytime I've gone to the Rico, like it was pretty full. Do you feel that, you know, it's just house shows? There isn't that, that star, even, even a Ronda Rousey that is attracting people. Is it just house shows? And like, what's your theory on what, why people are not going to a show when, like that? I explained this to my daughters that when I was younger, the TV all went to the house show that mm-hmm. you got your interviews of what was going to happen at the house show. You knew what the matches were going to be almost the whole card, at least two thirds of it, let's say of what those matches were going to be from watching your weekly WWF television. And here it was like two weeks out ish. They started to sort of advertised on, um, sports that 360. Yep. Uh, you know, that Rhonda was going to be there. And that uh, Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman were going to have a match. And now I know you wanted to be there for a Baron Corbin match, but it was my birthday. It was was your birthday. I I was was celebrating, (laughs) not watching wrestling. That's how I celebrated. Uh, I think telling people that Ronda Rousey was going to be there would have been and and ahead of time and letting them know what the match was going to be ahead of time. Right. Right. People have other options for entertainment in this town, right? And it's March break. And I was kind of shocked that more people weren't there because it was the beginning of March break. Kids don't have to go to school. They got a whole week off. But then again, people will make vacation plans too, right? Yeah. So it's also like not that far off that they're coming for SummerSlam and people might be just, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get my WWE fix that week. But everybody, I shouldn't say everybody. People know that if you go to the house show, you usually get the pre-sale for whatever the next big event is. So if you were looking to get your SummerSlam tickets, you got the pre-show code that night and you could order them right away. And did you have any issues getting SummerSlam tickets? Uh, it was, you know, Ticketmaster was crowded, um, but we got the tickets that night and it was fine. Uh, my girls are looking forward to it. Uh, my oldest daughter is... One of her defensive partners is a big wrestling fan too, so we're going as a double family to uh, <laughs> the biggest party of the summer. The biggest party of the summer in Toronto, and everybody's uh, everybody's super hyped to go. Um, it's you know it's kind of exciting to see your kids pick up the kind of fandom that you had, 
And it's organic because they've, you know, met friends who have the same interests and, you know, they kind of percolated and gone on their own way with it. What a week that's going to be. Three major events happening. You've got SummerSlam week in the city of Toronto. You've yep. got the, the G1 finals are that weekend. Yes. And the return of WH Park to Toronto. Woo! There's, there's nothing bigger. I mean... WH only has cared about going to like NXT. He doesn't, he's not doing Raw and all that stuff. We've he's, got, he's like, you know, he's a super cool guy. Dur- during his time uh, back, we have to do Dio Grady's podcast. I, I want to go back. I'm telling you, I want to go back and do that like history of O'Grady's like story and find out like where Radar is and uh, maybe we'll do, some we'll, of the we'll other do guys. chapter one. In, ah, in, in it's August. so good. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and then last thing, you are going to opening night of I'm going to go Dallas, to the opening Texas. one of G1 in Te- Dallas, Texas. Yeah. What, what was the deciding factor to uh, make the trip? Something we like to take a, a trip in the summer. My wife is a teacher. Kids are off, obviously, so find something to do. Dallas I, is a lot of fun. Dallas, uh, Texas is a crazy, amazing, neat place. I've given you my recommendation of what uh, to do. John wants me to go check out some place where they made some show. I don't know what it is. Uh, oh, it's the Ewing thing, right? South Fork Ranch. South Fork Ranch. There are visits allowed. Uh, I think they're open seven days a week. <laughs> don't get the coffee in the gift shop. It was the worst coffee I've ever tried in my life. Um, but you, you've got to go. It'd be so much fun. There's a there's a few things that we're starting like starting to sketch out the ideas. Um, but how, before, long, how long are you there for? We don't know yet. Oh, okay. we we haven't kind of like hammered out any details yet of how we're going to do it. Um, oh, there's lots of stuff to do in Dallas. Beyond. There's a lot to do. It's a long drive. I'm assuming that's oh, you're how gonna we're going to probably do it. Uh, that's fun too. See the world right yeah. through the windows. Um, getting back to the house show though. Uh, the tag title match was something to see. That's right. Yeah. The revival with Chad Gable and Bobby Roode, which seems to be their hottest house show program in years. Man, like every two night. out of three falls, my wife was like, it was 45 minutes. I'm like, really? And she's like, wow. it was long and it was good. My wife said it was good. She was there as like the mom to the wrestling fans. Better and, than uh, Lethal and Taven tonight. Yes. I, I can't, I can't say anything bad about the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great. That that tag match sounded awesome. That seemed to be, you know, every house show that they're on, it's just they get rave that's reviews. That's the raving reviews, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you should have a ton of fun at that G1 show. That's going to be a loaded show. Yeah. It, I, I'm i interested to see how they're going to do it because usually it's been uh, block A or block – I mean, it starts off with block A for the – It sounds like it's going to be block A matches at night, which – I mean, and sure, you're going to get five, like – Hot matches. Yeah. It's going to be a loaded show. So, I mean, you'll get everybody. When do you think they're going to announce who's on which block? Probably. Um, they'll probably announce the participants around Dominion. Yeah. And then probably the block announcements uh, sometime in late June, early July. There's a lot of wrestling going on this summer. You know what? What am I saying early July? The card is July the 6th. They're, yeah. they're starting much earlier. So, yeah. You, because there's prob- a week off between night one and night two. Yeah, yeah. So they got that gap. Oh, you'll probably know the the matches probably, I would say, three to four weeks out. I would, I hope, would hope so because yeah. you were saying that ticket sales aren't going great yet. Yeah, well, um, Dave Meltzer had the report. The first day uh, of ticket sales were only at 1600 which I think is incredibly disappointing for the first day. We'll see if, like, some momentum carries it. But I, would say, I was talking with, with uh, WH about it and – you know, he was saying, you know, people don't know who's in it yet. It's like, yeah, you don't know who's in it, but you know you, who's in it. You know, you're getting everybody. Yeah. And I think it's a real statement on the value of a Kenny Omega and 
not being in it that people know Kenny Omega as of today he's not going to be in the G1 and I I don't know if something like that spurs them on to want to be able to work with a Kenny Omega but I think it's very his absence is very much noted here I think in the North American crowd the the elite especially uh, Omega and the Bucks right um they carried a lot of weight for ticket sales totally. right totally. and you know a lot of the shows that were here focused on Omega and even though people might not have liked the way that the title run turned out uh, in the end, you know, you still go to hot topic. You still see those Kenny Omega shirts, right? They've yeah. got, they've no, got the, uh, everyone knew it was, now. it was a big loss and especially in the U S for their expansion. And this was the first example. Yeah. And I think it's, it, but I think it's not just Omega. I think it's also, you know, not having, uh, Adam page in it. Right. Right. No hangman and not having, uh, the bucks involved at all now with new japan right i mean there's still like that was uh a lot of people's entry into new japan pro wrestling i think those guys i would say like if 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 we're talking a month from now and they've sold five thousand tickets um maybe they're not doing the tournament but to at least if chris jericho and kenny omega are legally allowed to do new japan which they have stated they can it's only ego that you're not making that phone call they seem open that they would like to work with together Japan, and that would be a card you'd want them on. I don't think you want a, you know, a half empty arena of such a big venue like the American Airlines Center. No. And I think the reason that they wanted to do this was because of the relationship with Access Television, right? Yeah. Like to have yeah. it there and to this is like this is the first time they've done a G1 night outside of the regular circuit, right? Mm-hmm. Like not just outside, like hours and hours and hours away of like flying time for these guys and uh it's a big undertaking for the company to bring, kind of break up the tournament and bring it over here. Yeah, de- definitely. I think that this, you know, you, you have a bad outing here. I don't know how much de- does that curb your enthusiasm for the for the U.S. market. How does it strike the Japanese audience that the first night will be on the other side of the world? I think is it, is it a slap in the face to their fan base over there? Or is, do people get upset? I mean. Uh, it'd be a good question for WH. I don't know if you necessarily like you're getting the whole tournament. You're getting uh, it's it's one show. Yeah. Um. You know. I I think it's. I I, I don't I don't think there would be a negative backlash to it when you've no. got a month of shows going still yeah. all over the country uh, afterwards. Uh, by the way, the Observer Awards came out this uh, past week, and for Match of the Year, we figured this out between WH, Braden, Davey, and you. Because you went to the New Japan card in Long Beach last right. March. You four, in some representation, attended live nine of the top ten matches of the year. Wow. The only one missed was a Tanahashi Okada match from last May in Fukuoka. What was the top match? Uh, Omega and Okada, the Dominion match. Figures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the eight-star match? Is that, was that one? or the? Uh... It was, uh, <laughs> yes, it broke the scale. Uh, and we... Have reached our time limit here. Right on. Uh, Mike, as always, a big thank you. Thanks for having me, John. You will be watching the uh, G1 Supercard in a couple of weeks. WrestleMania weekend. I will be there at Madison Square Garden. Should I bring the microphones and I'll have like a dad and daughter podcast over my head? Oh, you should. You guys should do it. That's (laughs) that's the next evolution. Uh, But yeah, we will uh, we will reconnect in the in the near future. For sure. Uh, 
when ROH has a longer pay-per-view window, maybe. We will yep. find out. We'll find Four out. Four hours. Nothing wrong with oh, that. Man. Get your Jonathan Gresham <laughs> match in, and then no one's upset. Uh, but thanks, to everyone, for listening. Uh, coming up this weekend, uh, Sunday night, we're going to have a special bonus show on the Post Wrestling Cafe for the patrons. W.H. Park, the aforementioned Mr. Park, he's going to join me. We're going to go through the winners of the Observer Awards. Uh, so for patrons, you can sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com, and then all your regular slate of shows next week while Wei Ting is off in Hawaii on vacation. Things are tough all over. Yeah. Here, it's raining. It's miserable. Way's yeah. off in Hawaii. Nice. Just enjoying high chews and <laughs> pina coladas. <laughs> For Mike Murray, I'm John Pollock. Thank you for listening. We'll chat with you later this weekend.